Hi friends, welcome to the second edition of the SparkCast. This is content that grows out of some conversations or wrestlings or questions that we've been having regarding the sermons that we've been giving, the messages and the teachings. And so I want to say hello and welcome to all of you and thank you so much for contributing to this time that we have together. Especially to all of you who are distant, uh, those of you who are not local to Palo Alto, we want to again say hello and thank you so much for being a part of our community. Thank you for supporting Spark Church and the ministry. Thank you for most of all being Spark, the kind of people that are living out the values of love and reconciliation, the reputation of God, rescue and resurrection in your lives and helping us and supporting us as we attempt to figure out better how to live out those values. I want to share with you a brief announcement about a project that Pastor Danielle and Rabbi Ari, our good friend, uh, have been engaged in for the last several weeks. It's called A Rabbi and a Pastor Walked In. It's primarily a podcast, but they do have a website also, rabbiandpastor.net. They're doing an Israel trip in just a couple weeks here. And on the podcast, they have some conversations about religious themes, uh, teachings from both the Jewish and the Christian traditions. Uh, They've talked about resurrection, light, and the most recent one that they've talked about is the stranger and what each particular tradition discusses when it comes to the stranger. It's really great. I encourage you to check it out, rabbiandpastor.net. And if you searched iTunes, it is a rabbi and a pastor walked in. So check it out and uh, give us some feedback. Today, in response to some of the conversations that we've been having around our sermon series, I have an announcement. I'd like to do a podcast entitled Pixels and Politics. So over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the good news in this series. I have an announcement. Uh, In Greek, the word is euangelion, which has been translated and transliterated into English as evangelical, a word that originally just simply meant good news, something that was news and that news was was good. Uh, We've been talking about how that news is good for some people, but it's really bad for others, depending upon who you are and how you perceive that news. We've been talking about how good news is also God news. It's a declaration in the midst of all the philosophical and even um, existential questions about God's existence and God's character. It's a declaration about this God being love and compassion, incarnated, etc. The last couple messages by Omer and Pastor Danielle have evoked several questions and a wonderful conversation that has come up. If you haven't heard those messages, of course, I would encourage you to go back and check them out because uh, understanding what they have said will help to make sense of the context in this particular conversation. But Omer's Um, essential thesis was, the good news is not about you. And in that message, he referenced the Romans road. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Romans road, you can go back and listen to the message. It's essentially a piecing together of several verses in the book of Romans, or rather the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. And Christians have been using this framework for uh, several decades now to sum up and to declare, this is what the good news, it starts with your identification as a sinner. It moves to the consequence of that sin being death. It moves then to God's gift of love, free salvation in response to that death, etc. So people have been using this for a long time, and many of us are actually quite familiar with that kind of framework. In Omer's talk, he suggested that we really need to think much larger about that, that that is actually not the good news. 
those are verses that have been pieced together to form a nice framework. But the good news is much bigger than that. It's about a bigger story. It's about Israel's story. It's about a bigger story that God is doing within creation. It's about the events within that story, such as the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And so one of the questions that emerged from all of this is this. If the good news is really about all of those things, those bigger, more grand narrative, larger picture pieces of the puzzle, how do I fit into that? What is my personal salvation story? One sparker basically asked the question, so if the Romans road isn't the gospel, then what do I do with the Romans road? In light of this new understanding, how do I think about chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? What do I do with that verse? Or that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. What do I do with all of those verses that have been pieced together in light of this larger story? Well, there's obviously a lot more conversation that needs to be had in response to that. But one of the implications of the question that was asked is, what essentially am I doing with my story? Because I was saved under that. I had a conversion experience, or I was truly moved or transformed by understanding that framework. It was simple, it was easy, it was accessible. And now, because I'm trying to learn or grow and mature in my faith and understand the gospel as a much bigger thing, what am I supposed to do with that personal salvation piece? And here's where I'm going to suggest one possible analogy. This may not be the best, and as we have done before, please give us your feedback. Let us know what works, what doesn't work, and if you like or or if you don't like it, uh, we're doing our best to grasp it, some possible ways of thinking and understanding. But here's my best shot at it. I've been using the analogy of pixels for a while to try to describe and explain this understanding of how do larger pictures work in conjunction with smaller pictures. So I'm going to take my own personal story, converted or saved, um, born again, as we would say, in a Christian church, got baptized when I was in high school, and felt very much as if I had a personal conversion experience. Later on in life, as I began to grow and develop and try to learn a little bit more about what this story is, you start, or at least for me, understanding, oh my goodness, this whole gospel story, as we've been teaching, is about something much bigger, much broader And the reality is that conversion experience that I had is not the gospel, capital T-H-E, the gospel. But that experience was still very real for me and in many ways still holds meaning. Now, many of us are going through deconstruction and trying to re-figure out what that all means. And in the analogy that I have been using that I like is the idea of pixels and pictures, We live in a very high resolution uh, world today where we're trying to get more and more pixels. And, you know, of course, technology companies are going to boast about how many pixels they have within a square inch. And uh, that increases the resolution. I, I would say that is a really fantastic analogy for me. The efforts of our technology endeavors are really trying to get at a much clearer, stronger, larger picture a picture that is, I mean, even to use technology language, more brilliant. Um, So much so that the pixels themselves are maybe no longer seen to the naked eye. So they get smaller and smaller. They get higher uh, energy so they can uh, get more clear on the colors, etc. 
But at the same time, while that larger picture is still true, your individual pixel is really, really critical to ensuring that larger picture is clear. Even on my large resolution television or computer screen or whatever it is that you have, if there was a pixel that was out or five pixels that were out or 10 pixels that were out, you would probably return it and say, there's something wrong with my picture. And that is what I would suggest to you might be a helpful analogy for how do we wrestle with the good news is something big, larger. It's a bigger picture. It's something about creation. It's something about massive historical events. It's about the larger story that God has been telling since Genesis. So that's the picture that we're looking at and looking for. But if our pixels are not a part of that story, then there is something distorted about the image. And so your individual story is really, really critical. And your individual story has meaning and purpose and shines a bright light as a part of that larger picture. I would say the same thing goes true for those Romans road passages, those pieces of the puzzle that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sure, let's talk about what sin is and talk about what the glory of God is and talk about how that is a distortion of the larger picture. But let us not confuse that with the gospel, which is much larger and bigger than those verses put together. So I hope that might be a helpful analogy for you. It's been a helpful analogy for me. I would love to hear your feedback. Now, connected to that is another talk, which is good news of the king and the kingdom, which is what Danielle shared uh, just last week. And this has evoked some, I I should say, more controversial thoughts. And so I'm going to do my best to sum them up and see if there's any additional questions or content. And I would love commentary from some of you. Send me some emails on this. There's a lot going on in our nation politically. And it's very complicated. And I wrote in a blog post a couple uh, weeks ago that I find myself in this tension of what to do. Uh, As somebody who is clergy, as somebody who is a pastor for a living, and somebody who works for a church... It is very clear by the IRS rules that we are not to make any endorsements. We're not to speak out in public um, in affirmation of any particular political party or platform lest we jeopardize or put into compromise our status with the IRS. And that's all, all part of being a religious institution, a nonprofit institution, etc. And yet at the same time, many of us, many of you are feeling that being a follower of Jesus is somehow political or at the very least has political implications. Now, part of what we may need to clarify is the word political and the word partisan. Political just simply means part of the body politic, how we create leadership and legislation and rules and Supreme Court decisions, etc., that govern the people that have real life implications And by the way, real-life implications for particular races, minorities in our country, for particular genders in our country, for anybody who is a sexual minority in our country, for children, for people in poverty, for the foreigner, for the immigrant. These are very real people. They're not just policies, they're people. And so when we talk about politics, sometimes the people at the end of these policies uh, get lost in the fray of us talking about political platforms. 
And so part of maybe what we need to do is pull back from that and remember that everything that we talk about, everything that we're doing has very real life implications for people on the ground. And part of the lament that I've been having recently in some of the conversations is that they are very much about labeling. So we talk about the immigrants rather than talking about the names of children or women and families that have been torn apart by some of the policies and the procedures of that we've been experiencing. So maybe that's part of it. So for those of us who are, are feeling this tension, I would like to suggest that the way of Jesus actually is political. When we talk about loving your neighbor, loving your enemy, uh, when we talk about giving to the poor, when we talk about pure religion as looking out after the widow and the orphan. I mean, these are not just religious ideas and ideals. They are ethics and principles that come from our spiritual grounding and base, but they have massive, significant political implications for what it is that we fight for, for what it is that we believe in, for what it is that we believe should be alive and active in this world. And so I'm going to propose that the way of Jesus is political. The story of Jesus in the first century, crucifixion on the cross, that in and of itself is a political statement by Rome saying that anybody that is going to attempt to usurp or come against or stand up against our regime, our power, we're putting you down. And if that's not a political statement, I don't know what is. So just by looking at the cross, we're talking about politics. The danger, of course, is that Christianity within American history has been co-opted by certain political parties, and this is where the entire thing just gets so difficult to talk about because of that history. And so while Christianity, the way of Jesus, is political, it has political implications, we should be talking about body politic and what it means for real-life people. We have to be careful not to be partisan, where we shift and we change our ethics just depending upon where our party might happens to be ending up. And we should never marry our particular ideologies with our faith construct. That's a very dangerous thing to do. And a person to reference in that would be Randall Balmer, who we had come uh, talk at Spark. And this was part of the reason, is the confusion or the complexities of talking about faith and religion and politics all at the same time. So go back into the archives and look for Randall Balmer's uh, talk and conversation to help us uh, understand a little bit more about the history. And then, of course, check out his books uh, to help further that understanding. To that end, I would like to also suggest that every single one of us, as we are attempting so hard to live out the values of love and rescue specifically um, and reconciliation in our current context, your pixel is extremely important for the body politic that we are attempting to engage in. Your pixel has to shine bright. Your pixel has to have all three of those primary colors running at the highest levels as possible. We need that pixel in that larger picture. So my friends, let me end with a benediction. May you shine bright. And may your pixel shine brightly in the grand picture that God has been painting and portraying and telling ever since the beginning of time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon each and every one of you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon 
every single one of you, and set upon you and us and this entire world his peace, his shalom. 